0: For me, my attitude has been taking this day by day. And like you can only do what you can control, like you can only control what you can. And that is, you know, what your kids are taking away from this, like trying to find the positives, like talk about what was good about your day, and just trying to think about how you can use this time to teach and instill, you know, healthy values. Um, that your children can take on and move forward to live a healthy lifestyle, even when you don't have the control that you have now, you know, as they get older, what do you want them to take away from all this?
1: Welcome to the Well Child Podcast, brought to you by two board certified pediatricians, Dr. Anna Powell and Dr. Samira Arman, also known as the PD Pals. ...as we talk to you about topics involving raising well and happy children in today's challenging society. Please follow us on social media at The PD Pals or find us online at www.thepdpals.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Well Child, your expert podcasting resource for parenting hot topics. Today, we're going to jump right into our discussion because it is a good one and if you're a parent, a caregiver an expected mom, or someone who has ever stepped foot in a pediatric office, this one is for you. So we have a very special guest today, super excited to welcome none other than Dr. Shayna Carabina's. Dr. Carabina's is also a board-certified pediatrician. She's a brilliant leading mind, having done her undergraduate studies at Brown University, and then was accepted to medical school and residency at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Dr. Carabina's has a full and thriving practice and a wonderful reputation, but what makes her extra special is not only that she's super smart, a mother of twin boys, or a boggle champion, but (laughs) that she is our third partner. That's right. If you follow the Petey Pals on social media, or if you've listened to other episodes of The Well Child, you know that we often refer to our third partner at our day job. Well, this is her. The three of us have been working together, joking together, laughing together, stressing together, sometimes crying together, brainstorming together, and basically nerding out together for six years now, and we couldn't imagine doing it with anyone else. Like Sammy just described... (laughs) I cannot emphasize how amazing it
2: feels, and it feels like a dream to work with like-minded professionals in the field, and I pinch myself every day that I get to work with these women right here. They are so caring and compassionate, intentional and fierce women that I really feel so lucky. Um, as we all know, medicine is definitely a practice and an art, and it's something we refine every day and learn from each other. So. We have to have an environment that fosters this inquiry and honesty and non-judgment, which these women are experts at. We all follow the same guidelines, but we have such different styles and different personalities, but our love and respect for each other is really what makes us the dynamic trio in my mind.
1: I agree. So,
2: <laughs> so before we go on um, and uh, you know talk about our amazing topics for today, I just wanted to break it down for our listeners. So number one, we're going to talk about how to parent during this pandemic This is a big topic. Number two, how your kids can maintain a healthy weight during the pandemic. And number three, how to manage screen time during the pandemic. So if you're interested in any of these, this episode is definitely, definitely for you.
1: We will also talk about potentially if we have enough time, um, when and how to know how to fit telemedicine into your life and whether it's right for your family. I personally love Shana's Insight because I find her to be full of practical knowledge, amazing insight in a no-nonsense kind of way. Um, She's the pediatrician I want to be when I grew up, and today is a very special treat for you, our valued PD Pals community, because you basically get to be like a fly on the wall as the three of us talk like we typically do every day about the things that we just wish parents knew and would implement. So after that very long introduction, welcome, Dr. Shana Carabinez.
0: Yay. Hey guys. Yay. I am awesome. very very honored um that you guys invited me on your podcast. Um I I could not say any more glowing things about you guys. I feel almost like I have to pinch myself every day that I get to work with such great doctors and people and women and um really role models for me. Um so thank you for having me. Aww.
1: Thanks for being here. You know, I just, this reminded me, um, and then we can get really talking about the the good stuff, but of uh, my interview, when I, I was interviewing for the job that I currently have, yeah. and you yes. were there before I was, and then <laughs> Anna was the third one to join me, yep. and I wasn't sure if I wanted to take that job or not, and then I met you, and we had lunch together, and you talked about your twin boys, and then I talked about my two girls, And I remember thinking specifically, I hope I retire with her. (laughs) Ah, I'm so
0: grateful. I'm so grateful. that would be the best thing that I could ask for.
1: Yeah.
2: So,
0: um, you know, we were talking about the pandemic and, and the kind of challenges that this poses for us, um, not only as pediatricians and doctors, but as, you know, parents and aunties and, you know, sisters and daughters, um, you know, it's, it's, a lot of a lot of things that as doctors we speak about, you know, to our audiences is, is how do we recommend and provide advice that's based on evidence and based on experience, um, you know, and best practices, so to speak. Uh, we we always want to, you know, we don't always want to just say things that are opinions, but of course, based in some kind of uh, validated approach. And with the pandemic, it, it really poses a challenge for us because we don't have experience with this. I mean, we're in uncharted territory, um, you know, in every way. And so we're kind of having to feel through this just like the general population. Um, so every all of my advice over the past, you know, nine to 10 months has been kind of, you know, evolving and based on my instincts. Um, so I just have to hope that they're decent uh, most of the time. But I, I just wanted to mention that, that it's important for people to understand that we're all learning together and things might change or things might evolve as we get more information on this, this hopefully once
2: in a lifetime pandemic. That's, that's so true. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I think the main reason we wanted to do this particular episode and with you nonetheless is because we've kind of navigated this time of uncertainty with you you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's been something that the three of us have gone together have gone through together as well as all of our patients and so we really wanted to stress this to our families and to our listeners that it's okay to be uncertain and it's okay to be scared because we're all kind of going through this together and there's a lot of uncertainty but The biggest thing is to give yourself a break, right? And then Mm -hmm. trust your healthcare providers and, and listen and assess each situation as it comes to you. But, but I so totally agree with that sentiment.
0: Yeah, And a lot of parents ask me, you know, what is best, like what, what is best for my child? I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, Mm -hmm. a parent send me a message or ask in in a well check, well checkup, you know, what should I be doing? Should my children be in school? Should they be home? Um, you know, what is your advice? Mm-hmm. And I think that we really have to individualize um, what we're doing with our families, and and what you know, as as uh, as listeners, followers, um, the there's no right answer, you know. And it's there's some situations or circumstances where there is, you know, every scenario is there's some kind of drawback or negative. And I think it's important to acknowledge that and know that, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of situations where we, we can only do the best that we can and weigh the positives and negatives and choose the one that has the least negatives. You
1: know? I totally agree. I mean, just case in point example, I'm a single mom, for example, and I have one child and I have to work and my school is taking decent COVID precautions you got to go to school. What other option do you have? You can't afford anything else. Right. Right. Um, whereas there are some people who have a lot of help and support and are able to sit and and remote learn their children, for example, or maybe have one parent that's staying at home that could be dedicated to that cause. Maybe they're trying to protect somebody who they don't want to get coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, so every situation needs to be reviewed and analyzed individually, like you said. So I completely agree with that. And I think that's very wise. Rewinding just a little bit, I want our listeners to know, um, you did say that, you know, it comes with your instinct, but it was a very educated instinct. We drank from a fire hose. We, the three of us anyway, and I think, you know, most of the medical community, we knew the tidal wave was coming. We were listening. I'll never forget. We were the three of us listening to an Italian podcast by pediatricians when it was hitting Italy and thinking, oh my God, like this is really bad. And then realizing we had no PPE. And what were we going to do and trying to procure one N95 for each of us? Mm -hmm. Um, So we knew what was coming and we have drank from that fire hose every day since, right? We have, I mean, every day, I can't tell you how much we're reading and looking and, you know, conferring with each other and other doctors and specialists and experts and lecturers and everything, you know, and then, so that's where the instinct comes from. That comes from a very educated place. So I right. just wanted to plug that in there. It's yeah. not like you're shooting true, true. You know, from the hip. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, I think that um, one thing that has uh, gotten lost a little bit in this is, is we know that kids um, have been spending a lot of time at home and they're not only are they out of the routine, but they're, they're sometimes falling behind, you know, at home online. And I think that there's certain age groups that have a harder time with this than others and certain personality types. And I think, you know, considering the fact that teenagers probably have a harder time being at home, um, generally speaking, and then same thing, obviously, with like the kindergartners, right? I, I don't see how being in kindergarten on a virtual platform is, is a very easy process unless you have a parent who's dedicated to kind of being the teacher, you know? And so I think that, these considerations are important. You may have, you know, these nine or 10 year olds who I think are probably the group that does best because uh, they can be a little independent. They're not as, you know, um, they don't feel as left out by being home as maybe the the tween and teenager age group. But there's gonna be certain personality types, certain um, children with behaviors that where they really uh suffer from being at home. And I think in those cases as parents, you just have to consider um you know, taking that chance and putting them school if
1: that's really better for their health and mental well being. Well, actually, it's it's interesting you said that because uh, there is you know not that much data, but uh, enough for us to know that so far, um, based on what we've seen, that the school transmission has been relatively low. It's the the key is whether or not the schools are following proper protocols. But uh, while there poses huge health risks for kids to go to school, if they're following proper protocols, socially distancing, wearing their masks in their schools are actually abiding by health department and CDC guidelines when positive cases occur, the risk of them getting it at school is is very low. That's right. Yeah. Which is good news for us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And. I don't know how you guys um, have have felt or noticed in your patient populations, but I've kind of noticed this 50-50 split when parents talk to me. You know, some kids, teenagers or, or, or a little bit older children, uh, some are doing really well with virtual learning. You know, they're thriving. They're going at their own pace. They're able to, um, uh, you know, uh, learn the information without distractions. Um, and then there's some disadvantages too, but then there's other parents that are like, this will Absolutely not work for our children. So I think this is this uh, this experience is highlighting kind of how our children learn and what individual approaches is, is kind of helpful for them. Um, and so I was just curious: have you noticed this in your practice and and with your kids? Um, have you kind of used this information um, to help with with learning for your
1: children as well? So I can say one one thing in regards to what. You were saying I'm. I'm going to disagree with you in a little little way because I really do agree with you. But we've got to talk about. We've got to have some disagreement sometimes. <laughs> um, but but what I've noticed, you're right. There's definitely the home learning, remote learning. Some kids thrive and some don't. But I have, I feel like where they are developmentally has a huge part in how they're dealing with the pandemic. And what I've been telling my patients is to me, the teens are taking it the hardest. They, mm-hmm. Their world literally got flipped upside down. They were used to a certain type of normal, and then everything got taken away from them. The teens are not okay. That's all I'm going to say to me. The teens are not okay. They're not okay. They're not okay. They are depressed. They're anxious. They're on their phones too much. They're not sleeping. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to connect. They all feel left out and isolated. They're not okay. The young kids are a burden to their parents, the five and six Mm -hmm. year olds, because it's so hard to remote learn with that age group to keep them still, to print everything out for them. You basically are their teacher along with the teacher. And then you're right, Shana, the, the middle group. Is probably the one where they have some independence, some computer proficiency, and they a couple of years in their life doesn't seem like the end of the world, and they maybe see a light at the end of the tunnel, or they're not thinking out that far. But the teens, to me, are suffering big time, almost mm-hmm. all of them. Yep,
2: and I yep, I agree there's not a routine for those for those kids right a lot of times they're kind of left to their own devices because they're you know able to follow their list of activities and they're you know they're able to kind of do it on their own and so i think that's another thing where parents have to really clue in to a lot of the teens so the teens that i see that are kind of successful or doing this well um i feel are also being micromanaged by their parents and so either yeah so i feel yeah. like um, they still need that guidance because otherwise, if you leave it up to them, they're going to be on the screens 24 seven, you know, they're not going to get up and walk around or get any activity. So of course, we're going to see increased, you know, mental health problems and obesity problems and all that stuff that we want to talk about in this episode. You know, like I, I really agree with you as far as the teens are concerned. It, it really depends on how we're approaching it, you know?
0: I think that that's a good segue into this, this weight issue that I've seen just very shockingly, I mean, not surprisingly, but in the last, you know, eight to nine months, I think that I've been um, struck by the amount of generally amount of weight gain that the pediatric population has taken on, um, you know, children who never struggled before uh, yeah. have been so you know, going up on those growth charts. And, and it's, it's worrisome, you know, because a lot of times these, these routines and these um, patterns kind of get set and then, you know, start to become, are hard to reverse, I guess I should say, once you have quote unquote bad habits. And I think I've, I've really tried to talk a lot to my, my patients and their families about how, how can we mitigate this? How Mm -hmm. can we deal with the fact that, that we are, you know, kind of in a different realm, we're not in our normal routine, they're not able to be as active as they normally were, they can't play in their sports, or they haven't had or their sports haven't been open to play, or the parents have chosen to keep them out, you know, and, and they're not in school, they're not necessarily in recess and, and getting that kind of moving throughout the day movement. Um, So I've talked to patients about, you know, of course, trying to live by this, this uh, approach where you you buy what you want to eat, right? So don't buy the things that you really shouldn't be eating. Because if the kids are home, you know, maybe they used to get away with that, because they didn't have an opportunity to eat these things all day. It was kind of a treat once in a while. But if you have cookies and crackers and chips, and those kinds of snacks, and that's what's easily available, and you know, you're busy as the parent, or you're not there, um, you know, the children are going to potentially overindulge in those those foods that aren't ideal, especially if they're sitting most of the day, which unfortunately a lot of these kids are, um, including my kids. And so having kind of fresh fruit that's there and easy to 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 get, easy to grab, being having that be convenient for them, um, talking to them if they're old enough to understand about how important this is, especially now, um, starting that conversation. And then trying to get them active, you know, so, so a lot of times they're just home all the time so what do you do you don't have you know that ability for them you know to to go outside let's say it's it's terrible weather and they don't have their sports outlet or their recess outlet at school how can you be creative and get them to be active because that's such an important part of this also just for their general well-being for their for their, their sleep quality. I mean, all of this is interlinked with, with how, how can we get them out of that seat and, and off of the screen for at least, you know, 30 minutes to an hour a day. And, and I'll talk to parents about, you know, if you have stairs in your house, right. Have them go up and down the stairs, or if they're going up to get something, have them go up and down twice, you know, like just through the day um, have them do, you know, 20 minutes of stairs just up and down. It's like going on a Stairmaster and it's actually a lot of work, um, having them do jumping jacks or, or dance parties, or if you can set up a ping pong table, um, or get a, a, a jump rope, you know, um, having them do try you know to be how many,
1: creative. Yeah. Do you know yeah. how many YouTube exercise for kids channels there? Yeah. A lot. Yoga maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Or go outside for a picnic, maybe run around, you know, depending on the weather permitting, at least. But yeah, I think what you said is so true. I think kids need a routine. And school provides that structure and routine where you have dedicated recess hour and lunch hour and snack time and being able to walk around the halls and, and get up, you know, between classes. And I think we have to kind of mimic a little bit of that routine at home and and get creative, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. going to be the biggest thing.
1: There's so much to unravel here. (laughs) So much. One thing, you know, Shana said that these children who never struggled with weight before are suddenly finding themselves above the growth chart. Not only that, but we've seen the opposite. Children who we've been watching at the bottom of the growth chart suddenly become a normal weight. What does that tell me? That tells me they're not eating their lunch at school (laughs) or they weren't eating at school. And now that they're eating more, you know, that it's showing itself um, through their weight gain. Mm -hmm. But the the truth is at school anyone whose kids knows that it's like what 20 30 minutes if you're lucky and then they're talking and chatting most of the time also mm-hmm. during that lunch hour and so they don't eat very well and and then as you said very rightfully so they're home and everything is accessible so they're on their computer and then they're snacking all day so mm-hmm. i think having you know a little bit more set time for when you're allowing your children to eat, and okay, that's enough, and now it's time for the next thing. That's really important. And then offering healthy options as opposed to anything processed. Um, all of this within reason. You know, I don't want anyone to feel guilty because that's not happened. But the point of these discussions and these this education is just self reflection, which every parent should do all the time. You should be self reflecting about what can you do and where can you get better. When I look at my girls. Sometimes I'll just sit there. And for me, I always try to keep it in the four pillars of health, which Shana actually brought up. Um, One is exercise, sleep, right? Diet. And then, you know, mental health is the fourth. And I always think like, are they doing enough with exercise? And then sometimes it's no. And -hmm. and our parents, I mean, are you really thinking about it during recess time, which you're allocated during remote learning, you're allocated a break. Are your children moving? Or are Mm -hmm. you just allowing them to sit there? get them up. Tell them it doesn't matter to me what you do. Just go and do something and come back in 20 minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, set your alarm, whatever. Right. And sometimes I have to sit there and think, well, how's the diet gone? Not so great. Maybe we should rein that one in a little bit, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. sleep. Anna and I talk about sleep every day, all the time in every capacity. And I know you do too at work. Um, That's one of the most important ones to me. This is not the time to let your children be up till 1130 at night because they don't have to wake up as early. They Mm -hmm. still have to go to bed at a reasonable hour. They still have to get a good amount of sleep. They have to have good sleep hygiene. This will catch up to them. If you want Mm -hmm. their immune system to be strong, you have to make sure they're getting proper sleep. And then the last is mental health. And that's where the screen time and actually getting outside helps with mental health and having a hobby and talking to your children and having a good rapport. So it's more about that, not about feeling bad. We all do it, we all slip up. This is not the time to be hard on yourself. We have to be so forgiving to ourselves as parents. But um it's just friendly reminders. Yeah, I totally agree. You yeah. know, for me,
0: it's it's with with my kids, I I think many times I don't do the things that I advise. And it's because it's it's not easy, you know, it's not easy to be a parent, it's not easy to discipline, it's it's a lot easier not to do the things that um take take effort but but sometimes it's important to take a step back and and think what can i do better and how can i look at this challenge in a positive way um you know i think that for our own well-being and mental health as parents kind of Well, giving yourself grace, right? Because this is hard for all of, I mean, being a parent, generally speaking, is hard for for all of us in a normal, quote unquote, normal situation. But with the pandemic, it's just posing challenges none of us ever have have considered or or would possibly be prepared for. But, you know, kind of giving yourself grace, knowing that you're going to make mistakes, it's going to be fine. Your kids are going to love you (laughs) really at the end of the day, regardless, and they're not going to notice. But it is important to, appreciate the time as best you can and look for the positives. Like how, how has this year been, um, been good for our family, you know, and how can we continue to do those things that we discovered or that we found, um, that we didn't see before, you know, like I I've spent a lot, like when I was home doing telemedicine last spring for two months, you know, I was on online seeing patients every day, but I didn't leave the house with, with my family. And it really was, to some degree, um, enlightening with the, the amount of time I was able to spend with my kids and enjoy. And, you know, we could take the time to play a game. We could take the time to do these things. And so trying to keep some of the, some of the positives that you've gained from this pandemic and moving forward um, and giving yourself a little, a little uh, you know, cutting yourself some slack for the things that you maybe could have done better.
2: Yeah. And I think it's about positive reinforcement for yourself too, you know, because there's so many things we can do better on a day-to-day basis, right? But taking the little victories. And I think the biggest goal of this is just if you can change one little thing. And I tell parents, you know, a lot of times parents will come Uh, disgruntled when they see that big jump in the weight, or, you know, they're just like, you know, just got away from us. We just didn't realize that we had all these snacks and, and, and that's okay. Just recognizing that is, is a huge jump and kids are really resilient. I feel like this is the time where you can really make, impacts and it, you can see those results. And so I've seen sometimes where you just take away the juices or you just take away the Mm -hmm. sugary snacks and you replace it with one thing. I mean, it cuts down the cost, right. Of buying those things. Um, and it cuts down on uh, their sugar highs and lows. And so just taking those little victories and not Putting this on all on as a to do list for you to do every little bit, but just start with one small thing and right. go from there because that one little thing can really make a huge impact. Like you guys, and, so and these, you know,
0: our patients—they're little, you know—they're relatively speaking, right? They're they're small, or they're um, they have still have growing to do in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. and a lot of times parents feel overwhelmed by this prospect that their child has gained weight and like, what do they need to lose? I hear a lot. Like what, what is their weight supposed to be? Yes. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's really not the thing that, that I want parents to focus on. You know, I don't want them not to focus the on the number. Yeah. No, I want them to focus on the habits and yes. you know, like, like Anna exactly. said, changing one thing can make a huge difference. And it's not, it's not about weight loss at, at all. I mean, it's about having, having a better, um, you know, a healthier, healthier outlook and, uh, routine and, and typically kids because they're growing, they don't need to lose weight. They really Mm -hmm. don't. It's, it's about not gaining faster than they're growing, you know, and by making these little changes, you can easily, um, see those results for, for your, for your kids.
1: And you have to be so careful because we're having these conversations in person with most parents when the Mm -hmm. child's sitting right there. And Mm -hmm. if we're talking numbers and if we're, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of not careful with the verbiage we're using, we might be really hurting their self-confidence. And so I always I say the exact same thing. So it looks like we all agree on this one (laughs) that I, I say I will bring up the numbers and the percentiles and then I'll say, do you have any specific questions about this? but then we don't, we go on and caveat about what it means. And I, if I see that the child is understanding or might look like they're not happy because a lot of the times children's children don't feel well either in their own skin, especially if they've gained weight quickly, I will always tell them this is not about you looking like anyone on the cover of a magazine because those people are not real. And when you come to the doctor's office is only about how can you be the healthiest version of yourself so you can live till you're 120, and yeah. and live well until you're 120? You know, and not yeah. have medical problems. And and again, it comes back to the four pillars of health, right? So, are you doing those four things, and are you taking care of yourself? Now, I will say, Anna, you mentioned the small baby steps. I do agree with that, but I also have so many families, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I have a lot of families who will come and they'll have one child that's a healthy weight and one that's not. And they're like, we're doing the exact same thing. And we're not, we don't do juice and we don't do this. And we're like this and we exercise and what's up with that? Well, the first thing is, is that child that might by numbers be overweight, actually unhealthy? And if they're not, it's just their body type and your pediatrician will let you know and and just move on with your day, right? And build their confidence because it goes back Mm -hmm. to the, what are our standards and superficiality and all that jazz? But the second thing is, if they generally are, uh, sometimes that it's a snowball effect. You have to work extra. Some people it's unlucky. They have to. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And and also, no two bodies are the same. And so, what works for one might not work for the other. And that's why the dieting industry is so popular because some people can intermittent fast and some people can keto and some people can do this. And I know the keto works well for Anna, but the keto stinks for me um it does I, I mean i get really sick when i try to <laughs> go into ketosis so yeah mean, yeah, yeah. you know you
0: brought up something really important cuz i was going to say you know often i'll be seeing siblings for checkups right. and mm-hmm. one is you know in the overweight or obese range and the other one is in the average or maybe even slightly low average range mm-hmm. and i mention i make it a very uh i try to make it a point that this is about leading a healthy lifestyle yeah and this applies to both children Uh, This is not just him or just him. This is important to cut down on the sugary drinks, you know, watch portion size, you know, make healthy snack choices, try to be active. I mean, it is completely as a a family effort. And, you know, just because one child happens to be, you know, in the average or, or lower average BMI range. You know, unless they're straight up underweight, which is a different conversation, you know, then this should be a a general approach with looking at trying to be healthy and having, you know, um, uh, good habits that because, I mean, let's be honest, as an adult, it's really hard to break bad habits, like Mm -hmm. setting your kids up for success,
2: right, equally. So it's not, you know, you need to eat this way and you need to eat this way, right? Yeah, we could talk about growth charts all day long because it's something we, we deal with. And I, I think what you guys so beautiful said so beautifully is that you can't look at that number. And this is the first disclaimer I say. I say, listen, this is a range of normal. This is a rough range that we look at. We're not looking at where you are on the chart or where you should be, but more on the habits, like you mentioned. And I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls is a lot of parents, you know, they get, so caught up in my child is a picky eater. You know, um, they're not gaining weight. They're so skinny compared to the other sibling, uh, vice versa. And that's when I think it's really important to say, listen. Regardless of where you are on that chart, the habits are key. And and I think the main things we want to talk about is why these habits are important. You know, Um, why is it important for us to do this? Uh, You know, if we see those, those big jumps in our trends, we, we worry about later down the line with having more high blood pressure, diabetes. I mean, these are all epidemics, you know, in our society right now, because of, because of the nutrition and because of the lack of, of activity. But I think this is, this is exactly what needs to be messaged, you know, for our families.
0: And, and And, let's be real, you know, as PDA, pediatricians a lot of these things we're trying to prevent we're not going to see you know like like our patient who's obese who's who's been obese for years who is going to be obese you know until they don't come to us anymore and they start you know transitioning to adult an adult doctor um or a doctor that that sees adults it's it's trying to be proactive, you know, right. because fortunately most children do not develop diabetes. I mean, some do, of course they do. And that's what we we definitely want to prevent, but the vast majority of kids do not see the impacts of right. these things on their health um, until they're we're not their doctor anymore, you know? Well, and so we just want to be, mm-hmm. we want to take care of our, our patients just like, like their
1: parents. I feel like we have the same goals, you know? Yeah. yeah and actually something you mentioned, that's a really good example and I really want parents to focus on, and then I'm going to rewind and talk about something else too. With That's an example of what you just mentioned is the HPV vaccine. So mm-hmm. we give it as pediatricians, we talk about it, but how often do we see a complication of HPV, cervical cancer? We don't. My mm-hmm. husband is an adult oncologist. He'll come home and go, oh my God, if I see one more 20 something year old with head and neck cancer because they didn't get the HPV shot, right. I'm going to cry, for example. And, and then that reminds me, it's my job to really enforce that HPV because I mean, I don't see them after they're 20, but 20 and having cancer is awful, you know? And so So. that's an example of one that you're talking about, but I really want to pause because I really want our listeners to realize a theme here. It's a theme through all of PD pals, every pediatrician and whatnot. It's really important. You have to involve your kids. So Mm -hmm. Whether that means you're taking them to the grocery store and they're helping you pick out the foods or what, but whatever you decide to do, they have to be involved in the conversation or they're going to fight you every step of the way. And how hard is that? We all know. We've all had the kids that resist you every step of the way. So mm-hmm. you sit down, you say, listen, Billy, <laughs> random name. <laughs> listen, Billy, um, we, we need to make a concerted effort in the household to watch our diet. You know, We're doing a great job with sleep, for example. And mind you, we could probably use to watch a little less TV, but that's not my priority. We need to do a better job with our diet. What do you think that you can be? You can do. Which part can you work on? Or what are you comfortable with? If if your child is addicted to ice cream, like Shayna, yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you were the first. We all name. have our vices. <laughs> you do as I
0: say,
1: not as I do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if your child's addicted to ice cream, for example, um, that that might be the thing they they just can't let go of. Now, do I condone them having it every day? No, 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 but that's not my point. The point is that they're they're just gonna not eat ice cream for two weeks and then they're gonna start eating it again when you're back to square one, right? Um mm-hmm. so, but what if they're like, you know what, mom, i I can do without sweet tea. Start there because if they're if they're buying into it and they're involved, and this is a concerted team effort, they're way more likely to stick to it. Or if you say, a lot of times I hear my kid doesn't like sports. Well, they must like something. What Mm -hmm. is it? Um, Do they, can they walk? Can they ride their bike? Can they do some kind of video online? What is it? Anything. I'll take anything Mm -hmm. at this point. Ask them what it is. But if you force your child who hates to move to go do soccer, oh my gosh, they're going to, they're going to be miserable. And that's Mm -hmm. not the point. The point is to Instill a love of exercise and movement. So which one there's gotta be something that doesn't feel like torture Mm -hmm. to them, right? Agreed? Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and also I think even if we show the effort that you know we're taking these steps to also live healthier lives. I mean, they're like little sponges, they do pick up on all the things we're doing. And we're all human and we all, you know, have our vices, you know, Shane has his ice cream, mine is Nutella. (laughs) Nutella. (laughs) And and Sammy, you know, you, you also love that Nutella. I mean, we all have those. So we can't, if we can't always control those impulses, we can't expect our kids to always make the right choice. But the bottom line is, is to emphasize that when we do make some of these choices, we feel better. You know, when I eat, you know, a couple of spoons of Nutella, I'm going to have that sugar crash. I'm going to feel miserable, you know, um, a few hours later, my tummy's going to hurt. And so I think, I think explaining it in the, in the sense where it's okay to have these, uh, once in a while and, um, you know, but in excess, of course, they're only going to make things worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Actually, this is a total side note, but I got an air fryer for Christmas. (laughs) I've been wanting one of those. Sheena, do you have one? No, No. I have one. I love it. Do you? Oh my gosh. If there was ever a fast and easy and delicious way to make vegetables. (laughs) Yeah, really? It's It's really great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and,
1: And I, I'm the kind of person that wanted one of those what do you call them? Instapots? Because you had one, Shana, and you kept saying, mm-hmm. Oh, do it. It's life changing. But it scares me the pressure, the thing. Yeah. Like, it's too complicated. Yeah. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> like, I'm always afraid I'm going to blow my face off because pr- yeah, I'm not yeah. going to do the pressure thing right. But the air fryer is basically like a microwave. Like, it's that easy to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and super. I mean, just, I just stick cauliflower in there and then green beans and the girls are totally involved and they love it. And I feel like for ours is, is relatively small. So I can't make yeah. like a whole four person dinner in there, Yeah, but I can put my veggies in there. And, yeah. um, and then I work on like the main meal on the side, you and- like chicken
2: wings, uh, chicken wings, you can do different sauces and they're healthier. They're not like fried, you know, um, yeah. vegetables are delicious. Um, you can make, fries at home, which are not going to be the processed fries, just potatoes, you know? So I think it's a great, this is, this is a good point. Actually. It makes me think about like how to get your kids involved with eating like vegetables.
0: Um, you know, so for Christmas, my husband got me uh, an arrow garden. so it's like the little garden that is in your kitchen. Oh, I love where you can yeah. grow you know, like the yeah. like lettuce and and herbs and stuff, but but you don't have to have that. I mean, I just happen to not have a green thumb and like everything just dies. so it has to be very, very automated for me. but <laughs> You know, just having a garden, right? Like if you could, if you could have a garden outside, like a traditional garden that doesn't, you know, take much uh, expense and having your kids involved with learning, you know, reading about how to support the garden and and growing, successfully growing vegetables is going to very likely motivate them to eat those vegetables, you know, more so than, than just, you know, telling them to. And I can tell you from my experience with mine, with my little garden in my kitchen, um, my kids eat vegetables well, but they're not like big salad eaters. That's just not a vegetable that they have ever really been interested in. Like they'll eat their broccoli and eat peas and corn and carrots and stuff, but they just don't eat salad. And I love salad. Mm-hmm. And so this actually, you know, cause it's grown in front of their eyes, just like you could outside. Um, they'll take a piece, you know, and just eat it. And they think that's so cool, you know, or like mint, you know, like we were growing mint. And so they never tried the mint leaf. And so they, they tried it, you know, they tried basil. um, And so that's just another way to motivate your kids to, to do eat those things that are healthier without them realizing it, you know?
1: Totally agree. We, we have that. one, we have an outdoor garden. Have I shown yeah. it to you, Shana? No. Oh. no. Oh yeah. We have one. We did yeah. it. What was it a couple years ago, Anna? I can't remember. Yeah, they have, they have beautiful
2: carrots and all That's
1: kinds so of. Cool. And, and no green thumb. We I think we probably actually were unsuccessful for the first six months, but they love the girls love going to Home Depot or wherever, picking out the seeds. And it's just mm-hmm. something we do again as a family. And then, I, as you said, intuitively, they want to start learning about it and mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're growing. And it's so cool. We grow a lot of peppers because my husband is like addicted to anything spicy. So jalapenos, serranos, and whatever, yeah. <laughs> they're all there. And uh, carrots, as Anna said, and and we love the herb garden too. We have a giant basil thing and we throw it on everything all the time. The girls yeah. will run out when we're cooking and just pick some. And, and we also did the same. We planted some fruit trees as well for you guys. That might be something also, Shana, you could do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, so I think cool. that's the the one thing that the the pandemic has really brought out is people's creativity. So, you know, I I made my little herb garden at home and I've seen a lot of families do that where they, you've got to get outside. You've got to get in nature. You know, Uh, another big topic that we, we have to talk about is screens and us being kind of cooped up inside and being on virtual learning or TVs. But I think that garden idea is amazing because it's an opportunity to get out of the house, enjoy the outdoors, and then to teach them about nature, which is, which is so, so important
1: right well I real quick it. before we go on to the screens do you guys want to do like break it up and do a quick game sure <laughs> okay so um I love let's games. do it <laughs>
2: i love games i'm ready well you guys will and probably know the
1: answer okay good Please, you guys will probably have know a the winner all these uh but i just thought it'd be a little bit fun too uh, what do just- i get if i win um my respect <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you better earn it you better earn it bragging,
2: bragging rights okay got there you it go,
1: bragging rights <laughs> uh, so it's just true or false um so true or false you can get a fat and then we'll let the um the listeners also get a second to think about this true or false you can get a face mask exemption card so you don't need to wear a face mask you should not be able to yeah <laughs> So yes. you're right, the answer is yes. false. So there's a lot of fake cards and flyers going, but um, there is no such thing as a face mask exemption card. Right, yeah. uh, safety first, right? Safety first, exactly. Uh, and you're then, exempt if you're an infant. Right, <laughs> or under two, right? Under two, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Anna, did you have one too? Um, I. You go ahead first.
1: Okay. <laughs> fine, fine, I wrote them down. My, my next one's silly, but okay. So, true or false? Oh, no. It's like so ridiculous. The coronavirus was deliberately created or released by people. Huh. False. Oh, yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to say that one.
2: <laughs> okay, I got one. Okay. Um, this one's not as funny as yours, but
1: okay. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> true or false? The flu vaccine gives you the flu. Ah.
1: False. Yes. Allow us to educate you on why that's the case. Do you want to take this one, Shana? <laughs> uh, the
0: flu vaccine, the flu vaccine is not a live vaccine. Um, it's impossible to, to cause the flu. Um, even if you don't have a good immune system, um, the vaccine sometimes, not all the time, will make you feel as though you're under the weather, make you feel as though you have the flu, but it's just really a um, a trick to your immune system Um, and your immune system is basically, basically thinks that there's a challenge and that's how it works. You know, the immune system creates antibodies against the flu, but it's not um, you know, the virus is not injected into you. Um, It's not alive. It's, it's a piece, it's a piece of the virus. It's like it's calling card that the body recognizes as foreign and then creates the immune defenses for some people, which makes them feel a little crummy for a day. But, you know, I always tell people to remember, if you feel a little bad with the flu vaccine for a day, imagine how you'd feel if you had the flu. So yeah. it's it's worth it if you're one of those people. But for a lot of people, they don't have any side effects at all. I'd say most.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, most kids, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They just and, it, running out.
2: and I think of it, you know, when we talked about this earlier, but Uh, This is what I had to keep in mind after I got my second COVID vaccine and I had some symptoms that, you know, hey, my body's working. (laughs) My immune system is prepping the army, you know, to get Mm -hmm. ready to, to, if it has to experience that in the future, um, it'll be ready. So in a way, those 24 to 48 hours of some symptoms is definitely way worth it than to, you know, get more severe illness and complications in the future. So,
1: which also... Is a little off topic, but I think I know a lot of our listeners are really curious about that. You guys had similar experiences getting your COVID vaccine, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Exactly. Can you tell our viewers about our listeners about it or viewers? Because this will be on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So um
0: yeah, I got my first COVID vaccine on December 15th. I got the Pfizer vaccine. Um, minimal arm soreness with that. I mean, it was maybe a little more than I usually experienced with the flu vaccine, but no big deal. I didn't feel bad. Um, after the second one which was on January 5th, um, I probably starting like 16 to 18 hours after the vaccine, I felt achy. You know, I was achy and I felt fatigued and I had a headache and I didn't have a fever, but I didn't feel good for like six to eight hours. And then I ended up taking some ibuprofen and the symptoms completely resolved. And by the following day, I was back at work and I felt back to normal. So it was very, very short-lived, but pretty typical, I think, from what I've seen other people report.
2: Yeah, and Sammy already made fun of uh, of <laughs> me for my experience, but I'll just recap. Um, so, so Shayna got her second vaccine first. So, you know, she she mentioned this. You know, at sixteen to eighteen hours, she she had some symptoms, and I got to twenty four hours, and I was like, I am, you know, I've <laughs> <A rock star. laughs> it. I. Yeah didn't even need Tylenol or Motrin. Look at me go. <laughs> yeah. So I got overconfident a little bit, but then <laughs> around 30 hours in, I got the symptoms and, and it was the same. I, I felt some aches and, and headaches. And, um, and then I took ibuprofen and I was better too, but, uh, I think it's funny because, she, you know, she made fun. She took full advantage to make fun of me about That's
1: that. So funny. Well, it's also funny. So I kids. feel great. Yeah. <laughs> It's also funny because well, I just think you're so cute when you don't feel well. But that, that's besides the point. Um, it's also funny because you guys got—I got my vaccine a little after you guys, but you guys got your vaccines similarly timed with my husband. And we were all texting, and you kept saying, "How's Blake doing? Yeah, how's Blake, Blake doing?" Yeah. Right? And I didn't want to ask him because <laughs> I didn't want him to act like he had the man flu. <laughs> so, yep. So you I do not plan any seeds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I just didn't. I was like, he's not walking around and he says he's fine but he did come after a while and he goes man that second dose is no joke I'm sore uh yeah. so he did have that where he he mentioned it but it didn't he didn't it didn't knock him off his feet or anything he didn't man flu it we were
2: That's just good. grateful that we all got it right oh yes yeah.
1: okay did you just get on. emotional China, did you get emotional when you got yours what a tough I year. was just so excited were you I was so excited yeah yeah did you know
2: like I, I did. I was like, wow, this is like a moment in history. Like, yeah. like this is something we're going to talk about in retrospect and that, you know, that we were like one of the first ones to get it. I thought it was mm-hmm. kind of like a moment, but I remember wow. Shana, she was like, I am in the front of the line. I'm going,
1: <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. But now that you mentioned that we are, we're, wow, we are, that's really cool. Um, yeah. But no, I was more like, I think whatever I had suppressed for the last year came out in the poor you know, nurse who was giving me the shot. I was like, I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <It's> like,
0: <laughs> just like a relief, you know, it's a relief. Yeah. I was nice. like, I
1: can't believe we're actually here. This was like this year went by in dog years, you know?
2: Yep. Know. Yeah, it did. It yeah. was definitely <laughs> emotional. Um, okay. I have another true and false. Okay. 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 So true or false, watching TV before bed will help your child sleep better. <laughs> That's false. Uh, Oh my gosh. I get that so often the, you
0: know, teenagers who say, Oh, I just, you know, I need, need to have my screen on in the background or I need to watch TV and it relaxes me. And, you know, maybe for, maybe for some adults, I don't know. I I don't, this is anecdotal, but I think it maybe doesn't affect adults as much, but we know that for kids, the studies are there and the experience is there. We know that screen time makes it physically harder to fall asleep and stay asleep for kids. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, a huge, a huge problem and a huge miss, I guess, misunderstanding that I think teenagers and preteens have that it's helpful to them because it's 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 de- definitely the wor- the worst thing they could be doing. Before bed, and,
2: and I think the other thing is is it might make you it might make some children fall asleep, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's giving them restful or good sleep, right? Because all the studies show that your mind is still active, you know, after those hours where you've been engaging in screen time. And so it it takes time for your mind to kind of get down to that, uh, you know, that level where it's going to fall into sleep and get into deep sleep. And we want that restful, good quality sleep. So even if, and I think a lot of times it's masked with kids, you know, needing some sound or needing something in the room uh, to kind of help them. And so I, See a lot of people tell me this that you know, but they can't fall asleep without the TV in the background or something. But I think the the key uh, point, what you hit um, right there, is that it all the studies show that it does not help them sleep better. So that's
0: yeah, the- and I tell I tell patients who can <clears throat> understand, like teenagers, you know, that sleep is not sleep is natural, right? But it takes a lot of work actually, mm-hmm. you know? like setting yourself up for successful sleep is, is not, is not necessarily something that comes automatically. And if they think it does, and they're having trouble, it's because it's because they're not doing the things that help their body prepare itself and sustain good sleep. So I mean, turning screens off at least an hour before bed, if not more, you know, dimming lights at night, you know, taking away all the extras, like, you know, having like, I'm really bad about this, but I'll have all the lights on, like blazing. And then it's like, Bing, you turn the lights off and you're just in the dark, like, you know, your body's not ready, you know, so you have to start dimming lights. You have to keep a consistent schedule, you know, things that, that we don't, you know, that take effort and take thoughtfulness um, is, is are things that, that need to be involved when you expect your body to to sleep well, you know? And so I tell patients you know, set yourself up for success, you know, turn off the screens, dim the lights, you know, have some kind of routine, some kind of quiet, you know, either read or listen to music quietly, um, and try to stay consistent on weekdays and weekends as best you can, you know? So So we we talked
1: about, uh, sorry, Anna, we talked about what things, you know, what positive things came from the pandemic, And I I want to caveat this, that I have older children. I I really, I just don't want to stress any mom out who's got her hands full with toddlers and babies and whatnot. So I I have older children, so this was possible for me. But this was one of the things that I didn't have before the pandemic, and it's a routine. I uh, looked into it, and I saw that a couple people I like and follow, and um, one in particular, his name is Jim Quick. I just like the message this guy gives out. And it's that, you know, you can train your brain to do a lot of things and that the sky's the limit and, and you don't be uh, discouraged by what you think you can learn type of thing. Um, but anyway, so he has a morning and an evening routine and uh, and it's like five, 10 minutes. And um it really inspired me. So the girls and I have a, the same routine in the morning and the same at night. So we start Uh, the day off the same way every morning. And it involves like a few things like mindfulness, a couple of deep breaths, getting fresh air, something I never used to do before. But now before I get my car to commute to clinic with you guys, I will run around my cul-de-sac real quick. Just get the blood flowing in my body. I never used to do that before, but it's like supposed to set your body up for the day and set a nice tone. And we do the opposite at night. We have a nighttime routine. Maybe we could do a whole episode on this sometime and already like a YouTube video, like those cool influencers. Um, but but yeah, so at night we do, the girls and I do the same thing every night and it actually involves talking and how was your day and what can we, what kind of intentions do we set and what do we want our day tomorrow to be like, what kind of dreams do we want to have and, um, a little bit of relaxing music and, um, you know, candles, whatever. So we have our, that's how we do it. And it obviously doesn't involve screens in any way, shape or form, but, I have loved this. I'm going to take this with me for hopefully the rest of my life. My five or 10 minute morning and five or 10 minute evening, I feel like has increased my happiness tenfold. Mm -hmm. That's so great. You know what we do is we read your book.
0: (laughs) We're We're reading her book. So good. My kids love it. Let's talk about screen time. (laughs) So it's about reading, right? Reading also is helpful. Reading, listening to music, but taking the screens away.
2: I think also just it gives you a time in this moment of stress and uncertainty for parents just to have a few minutes to check in and connect with the kids. And so even if you don't want to be so systematic about it, you just want to say set out five, 10 minutes like, like Sammy does, which I think is amazing. Um, and I think it can be really comforting. And I think that's something we should also talk about is a little bit about mental health during this pandemic for our kids. And, and I don't know how you guys have dealt with it in terms of talking to your kids about it, but I think using those few minutes just to kind of reassure them, um, to talk about intentions, what they're grateful for, um, put things in perspective. I think it helps with bonding. It helps with their anxiety because we've been seeing so much anxiety lately as well. Um, So I think you can use that for kind of multiple uh, benefits, you know, giving them a routine and then also just uh, reassuring them and snuggles and mommy, daddy time, you
1: know, snuggles are important
2: snuggles. Everyone needs snuggles.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So any parting words on the, on the screen time, other than, I mean, we know the detrimental effects, not very many beneficial effects, yeah. We, I, I mean, am- I
0: think that, you know, screens are going to be utilized more because of all this and probably mm-hmm. forever more. And there's, you know, to some degree, we don't have control over that. And, and again, giving yourself a little grace and knowing that I, I honestly personally think it's impossible for school age kids to stick with the quote unquote, you know, American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations of two hours or less per day. I mean, that's just not achievable right now if they're online. Um, cause they're going to be, you know, in front of a screen, even if they're in school, what I'm hearing is, you know, my kids are online right now on virtual, but even if they're in school, a lot of what they're doing is online. And mm-hmm. so it's just impossible, but, you know, trying to take the time where they're not in school, um, you know, to minimize it, right. You know, it's no big deal. Sometimes to watch a movie or you got to do something as a p- parent, you know, let your kids watch a movie or watch a show or whatever. It's, it's not a big deal, but trying not to make that, you know, the day-to-day habit and just, Trying to think outside the box and figure out other ways to get them engaged and and um, you know
1: just be creative. Also, I think it's really important to be aware of what they're watching and what they're doing. So, what kind of video games are they playing, and what is the content that they're looking at? Um, because that they're being yeah. influenced by it, whether you accept it or not, they are being influenced mm-hmm. by it. There's not a child in the world that's going to have a violent mm-hmm. video game that it's not making some type of impact into their psyche and in the back of their mind. So be very careful. Mm-hmm. Is it uplifting? Is it good? Is it educational? Is it what you want them to be watching? You do have the right <laughs> to set those boundaries mm-hmm. and to, you know, put the controls on, you know, and and to, yeah. so I think that's really important as well. When you do put on a movie, especially for the younger ones you pick it. Is it a good one? And is it something that they can learn from? Does it have a good message? Is it what you want them to take away? Now, sometimes that's not possible in just watching a movie for the sake of watching a movie. But I think that's something that remember as well.
2: Yeah. And and I get parents ask me a lot about the, those interactive educational uh, things that are on screens. And I think I don't know what your thoughts are about those, but I think some of those interactive things are are helpful in ways. But again, limiting is the key. Just just making sure we're not doing that all day long. I think that's going to be the biggest thing and, and breaking it up. I think, uh, having that routine and breaking up your amount of screen time, whatever you can do, um, that fits with your lifestyle and fits with your work schedule. I mean, you definitely have to cut yourself a break, but, um, having dedicated time, but definitely not before sleep, if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. With
1: the yeah. And like, I can give an example, for example, um, I'm always, I want to be, sh- Careful not to offend anyone, but at the same time, I really don't like, especially for the young toddler ages, those YouTube videos where like Anna is chasing Spider-Man. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's just these random people that are dressed up in, in superhero and princess costumes and they're making some type of skit. Uh, I don't see the value in this whatsoever. So for me, if I had like a three or four-year-old and they were just like scrolling on YouTube mindlessly going from one video to the next, that'd really bother me. I'd be like, mm-hmm. stop, we're going to put on Elmo. Because at least Elmo talks mm-hmm. about the letter M and that makes a mm noise, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with younger kids, it's about like when you can, if, if there's going to be screen time involved, like being engaged, you know, as a parent, like kind of, watching with them which kind of defeats the purpose in some cases you know but kind of talking them making conversation out of it you know um, like in the preschool age two-ish two to four-year-olds um, but obviously that's not always doable and it is not the end of the world if they're gonna watch something mindless for half an hour but making sure that it doesn't have anything that's you know of course you don't want your children to be seeing or repeating um, and and just generally speaking doing the best you can I mean that's all you yeah. can do
1: Riddle me this, you know, you have a five to seven year old, for example, riddle me this, why can't the games that are available to them on the screen be another language, Um, some kind of math game, chess, like why can't it be, right, why can't it be a few games that are mind games or vocabulary or geography or whatever, and that's fun for them too, but then those are the games that they only have this library, Uh, and they pick through, and it's you know teaching them something in a way. Like, why yeah. can't that be the case? It
0: should be. I mean, that'd yeah. be great. That'd yeah. be great if it's if if that's something that. I mean, I think that that's something we should all strive for. You know, and mm-hmm. I also think that as parents, you know, all kids are different. It comes back to that sure. same the first thing <laughs> we talked about. I mean, some kids are very sensitive to screen time, mm-hmm. and I think yep. if you yep. have a child who's starting to be a little talk backy, <laughs> you know, a little snippy. Right, like they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. A lot of times, you've got to think about the screens. Are they yep. getting too much screen time? Because mm-hmm. it is shocking how many kids, how many of my patients, who the parents are like, you know, taking away the video games or the TV. You know, they were really upset about it at first, but it's like a different child. Yeah, and it, it's just amazing how much you know. They're just so they're it's just, just different. Their children are not you know little adults. I mean for us, maybe if we spend a lot of time on the screen, we know that, that it affects mental health, even in adults. Right. But there's, there's so much more that we don't understand, you know, about little, our kids' brains and everything that there's just a huge impact that screen time can have on certain kids more so than others. And I think that if you see your child has been really irritable, or really aggressive, or, you know, more um, oppositional, right, to to the parents or teachers or or friends, that that's something, that would be the first thing I would look at, you know? Yeah,
1: and I, we're getting to be long-winded, and I'm sad, because I don't want this episode to ever end, but before we go, I really wanted to mention this one thing, because I'm such a big fan of hobbies, uh, and you do such a good job of nurturing your children's hobbies, and that's exactly what I wish. And I hope for everyone, because mm-hmm. I think in North America, anywhere, culturally, we've been influenced to think our kids have to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And, and I think it's so important to allow them the opportunity to cultivate a hobby when they're children, because they'll probably take it with them the rest of their lives. And it's so right. important for mental health. And your two boys are, even though they're twins. Uh, could not be more different and they have different hobbies and you've done such a good job of nurturing them. Can you tell us what your kids' hobbies are? Um, Yeah. So they are nine, they're nine, nine
0: nine-year-old twin boys. And one of them is really um, a good artist. So he's, he's really into art and drawing and, and he'll just, you know, when it's time to turn off the, the TV or even when it's not, he will be drawing and he'll draw, you know, whenever he has the opportunity Um, and so you know for Christmas he got a lot of like you know draw like different like shading pencils and you know different size tablets and things that he could use to draw Um, trying to you know also expand his interest in other modalities so like you know with like clay molding clay modeling clay um, and things like that and then my other son is <laughs> um, really into <laughs> technology. <laughs> I don't um, so he, just to give you an example, I don't even think I've t- talked to you guys about this one. Um, you know, he saved his money from Christmas and, um, his, his allowance. And he saw a, um, an Apple, um, MacBook that was available on eBay. That was like, there was some things that were wrong with it you know but it was the whole set $75 for the whole thing and so he paid for it and this thing comes in it's you know it looks normal but it actually doesn't stay on and the screen doesn't light up like the backlight and so he's taking this he took the whole thing apart went into look and figure out what was wrong Put the whole thing back together, you know, he's troubleshooting. I mean, he took the whole thing apart down to the, you know, to the core. Um, and then he has it back together now, but he's still working on how to get this fixed. But this is for him more exciting to him than a real working computer. Um, and so trying to find ways to, to, for that outlet for him. So he doesn't, you know, actually take apart or destroy a uh, perfectly uh, working uh expensive gadgets in our house. So like letting, you know, getting stuff on uh um on like goodwill.com, right? <laughs> so trying to find things or having family members donate, you know, their old computers or laptops and his excitement for this is just, you know, uh, indescribable, right? And so trying to nurture that um has been interesting, but you know, you find what your child likes and usually it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, children tend to have, you know, it's not something you force on them, it's something they naturally come, you know, come to, to show you that they're, they're interested in this one particular thing or another, and then trying to foster that, you know, as best you can, even though for me, it's not my, I I mean, I don't, I'm not very technologically,
2: uh, advanced at all. I, I just have to say that I just have to put this one little story, but I remember pre pandemic, I came to your house and he started showing me um, uh, this old computer and the motherboard of this computer and all the inner workings of this motherboard. And I was like, you lost me at motherboard. <laughs> and yep. this is, I think I just wanted to add the one little little point that, you know, what you do so beautifully is you foster that Creativity, And it's okay for parents to take away the screens and let kids be bored because mm-hmm. when they're bored, then they discover what they love and they discover ways that they, you know, want to take things because they have such amazing minds. They're so inspiring. Sometimes I'm like, yep. I would have never thought about it that way, you know? Right. And right. so I think when the, when they're mindlessly watching things, it, it just kind of stunts that creativity. And yeah, absolutely, and that's what we want. We want them to love, love learning and we want them to love doing things um and and finding what they're passionate about and and that's that's a perfect example of how you know your two kids have gone in these other directions and the other one is an amazing artist i just love
1: absolutely everything. amazing artist like holy yeah. moly i'm mind blown as how great he can do drawings amazing but what i love is that actually i think the artist one was easy right i think a lot of parents having been put in that situation might have done the same thing you do and you've right. done but your other child many parents would have at not noticed because right. he just when he was like one maybe even yep. younger right he just seemed very curious and yep. and he just he almost you could have even said was rebellious cuz he was doing things I, he could not do like he was trying to figure right. out light sockets or you know outlets and things yep. like that right and so a lot of parents would have said Uh, Oh, my gosh, he's just so mischievous, or he's trying to get into trouble all the time. But that wasn't it. He was curious about how things work. And you guys Mm -hmm. picked up on that really quickly. And I remember we talked about this forever. And you always used to say like, he did this and this. And maybe it was because you had another twin. So you were comparing the two Mm -hmm. and how one was like that and one wasn't. And you were, you literally did it in a controlled environment. Like here, here's a broken yeah. phone, play with this, you right. know? Right. So this yes. is just amazing. And I'm sure he's going to yeah. do something with this. There's no way this yeah. isn't going somewhere. Yeah. I mean, this is his, you know,
0: his passion, obviously. And so that's another thing is parents. I think, to take away from this is that, you know, it's not always something you're comfortable with, right? Oh, God, I mean, no. You want to keep a safe, like, you want it to be safe for them. But, like, I'm not, I don't know anything about USB-C, lightning, this and that, cords. I mean, he, he'll tell you all the things. And I'm like, I don't know what you just said. Yeah. But, okay. And then his brother, too. Like, I'm not an artist. I, I'm terrible at drawing. Like, I mean, this is just him. For him, it's natural, you know? And so, like, it's not always going to be what you're what you're inclined to do, or you're comfortable it's with, so or even true. what interests you. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's,
1: that's not our job. We, it's not our job to have them do what interests us. Yes. And I have the same, you're absolutely right. And actually I resisted it for me because my older Mm -hmm. daughter is very musically inclined. Yes, she is. Uh, And I'm not. And my husband loves music, but is not, that's not theatrical. Like she's theatrical, you know, She is exactly that. And it, from the young age, I was like, (laughs) well,
2: what are you, do? you know,
1: I mean, well, like you're gonna go on stage <laughs> yeah. for a doctor that's like what yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and for two doctors level one um but we didn't get in our way it was it yeah. was hard it's hard not to mm-hmm. get in the way actually sometimes you would rather they do something you are comfortable with mm-hmm. uh, and not because I'm judgy because I'm right. protective that's right. the right. only yes. reason displaying mm-hmm. my daughter in any way, shape or form makes me uncomfortable because I'm protective. Mm -hmm. And that's my job as her mom is to protect her from hurt or of any kind. So yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. We're getting so off topic. (laughs) Yes. But important thing. It's
2: good. I love it. Awesome. So what else? I think we pretty much covered a lot of things. Is there... Um, We kind of ask all of our guests to kind of give us their little take-homes. If if there's one or two things that you want parents to remember um, from here on out or dealing with this pandemic, um, just any take-homes we would love. Yeah. There was a
1: Dr. Carabina's newsletter. (laughs) What would it say? (laughs) Oh, gosh.
2: Um,
0: So, I mean, I think that, uh, I think just kind of highlighting the themes that we've, we've discovered during this talk is, you know, trying to be, um, purposeful, you know, with what you do with your kids, like, you know, trying not to just go day to day without engaging with them, you know, but also giving yourself some grace, I think in, in many ways is important for our mental health, you know, as parents. And as long as we're, if, if we're not doing well, then our kids aren't going to do well, you know? So like, we have to take care of ourselves. So doing something like, like you had mentioned, Sammy, you know, being, um, finding a routine that, that elevates you, right. Mm -hmm. Um, doing some self-reflection as a parent on how can you be better potentially. Um, sometimes that is a, a hill to climb a little bit because you tend to just do what you're comfortable with, but sometimes you'll find that you've missed out on, on an important or, um, I guess motivating positive, uh, thing that you, you can keep, keep around for, even once the pandemic is over, which hopefully will be sooner than later. Um, you know, trying to be positive. I think a lot of times when we look at this pandemic, we see it's very dark, you know, like it can be overwhelming. And and I hear that a lot from parents. Like, this is just, when do you think we won't have more masks every day? Like, mm-hmm. when do you think the kids can just go back to school normally? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't. And if I think about that, it's it's a little bit disheartening, right? Yeah. And it can be very depressing. Yeah. So for me, my attitude has been taking this day, day by day. And like, you can only do what you can control. Like you can only control what you can. And that is, you know, what your kids are taking away from this, like trying to find the positives, like talk about what was good about your day. Um, And just trying to think about how you can use this time to teach and instill, you know, healthy values Um, that your children can take on, you know, and, and move forward to live a healthy lifestyle, even when you don't have the control that you have now, you know, as they get older, what do you want them to take away from all this? Um, So, I mean, I think we talked about a lot of important things, but the general outlook to me is to, is to give yourselves a pat on the back as parents. And, you know, the fact that you're watching this and have stuck with us this long, right, is, is a testament to, you know, wanting to learn more and wanting to, you know, get specialist opinions, right? And then take take from it what you will, so that you can move forward in in a way that is positive for yourself and your family. You know,
1: and that right there is why you're awesome. Now, who wouldn't want that as a pediatrician? That's huh? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're awesome. I mean, I'm telling you, still, I'm like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, tell me more, because I'm learning too. So I love it. And yes, you're right. If anyone's been sticking with it this far, that that deserves a gold star. And I'm giving to a right. special shout out to one of my best friends, Andrea, who's listened to every episode because uh, she's oh, been wow. waiting for me to shout out for her. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks well, for, thanks for having me, you guys. It's been a so pleasure. Much. It's good to see
0: you guys like usual. Thank you.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, hospital, organization, employer, or company. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the participants. The participants are critically thinking human beings. Therefore, these views are always subject to change, revision, reconsideration, and recalculation at any time. This podcast collaboration makes no warranties or representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information, communication, exchange, and the participants will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its broadcast dissemination or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. It is the communication recipient's responsibility to verify any fact.